on, let's give it up for Jesus this morning. Come on, he deserves the greatest hand clap. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah this morning. Somebody shout praise the Lord. Somebody give your neighbor a high five. Say, come on, Jesus. Come on, look at somebody behind you, beside you. Give them a high five. Say, come on, Jesus. You know, for the first time ever in American history, people say that we are living in a post-Christian society. Brother Robbie, what does that mean? That means that there are more people growing up outside of the church than on the inside of the church. There are kids growing up who may have had a praying grandma or grandpa, but maybe they passed away and now there's nobody to take them to church because their mom and dad aren't taking them to church. What does that mean, Brother Robbie? That means that we can't assume that people know the basic Bible stories, right, about David and Goliath, about how Noah built the ark, about Moses going up to the top of Mount Sinai and getting the Ten Commandments, all these different things that we take for granted. Well, Brother Robbie, what does that mean for us? It means we have a job to do. There are young people in this room that maybe you say, I don't, I don't know why we are gathering today. I don't know why we worship. I don't know why we shout. I don't know why we sing. But can I tell you, the more you just hang around, the more you read the word of God, the more you, you, you establish your ways upon his word, the more God begins to show you why this is the way, this is the truth, this is the life. Does anybody know that Jesus is the real way, the only way this morning, and he is worthy of our praise. You know, I find going to uh, youth meetings and even in churches that people, that people don't know why we stand as we read the word of God. Bible says that heaven and earth shall pass away, but his word will stand forever. Amen. You know, if we've ever needed the word in this day and age, it is today. Amen. I was, I was, I was thinking about this um, as I was praying this morning, but this verse came back to me. I don't know if they can pull it up for me real quick. This is not what I'm going to preach on. But I want to show you the importance of the word of God. I love to say this before I preach. The Bible says this. I believe it's in Romans chapter 10, maybe verse 17. It says, for faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's interesting because it doesn't say that faith comes by healing and healing by the way. No, it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the way. If we do not have the word of God, then we will not have faith on the inside of us. What is faith? It's belief. It's belief that God can move mountains. It's belief that God can bring revival. It's belief that God can save Connorsville and our lost family. How does that faith begin to be built and stirred on the inside of us? By the word of God. We have got to be a church that falls back in love with his word. Oh, hallelujah. I feel unction in my heart today. You know, I am as Pentecostal as they can be. I love the moving of the Holy Spirit. I believe it takes the moving of the Holy Spirit to have revival, but just the same, we have to have the Word because the Holy Spirit wrote the Word, and that's what He moved on. Amen. This Bible, I want to talk to the young people for a minute, and maybe you're a saint of God and you know this, but this Word is not just written by, by man's hand. But it was written in inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It is inerrant. It is infallible. It is not just another book. It is not just a fairy tale. Every word it says, it's true. You can stand. If you establish your house on the word, on the rock, on the stone, storms may come, but you will stand forever. Does anybody know the power of his word? I want you to hear this verse, Psalm 138, verse 2. 
It says, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. If you understand the weight of this word, one, uh, Psalm 138, verse 2, at the end of this verse it says, For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Do you hear that? It says, For thou hast magnified thy word. Somebody say the word. Above all thy name. Who knows the name of God is powerful? Come on, somebody. Who knows the name of Jesus is powerful? Do you know the implications of this verse right here? He says, even above my name, I have magnified my word. If that doesn't show you the serious of knowing God's word, then I don't know what does. Amen. Oh, if we will be a people of his word. If we'll be a people that learn his word, that hide his word in our heart, amen, that's the way revival comes. That's the way the power of God is released, and that's how God brings breakthrough to your life, amen. You know, Paul said it this way. He said, you know, some of you have your faith in man, but you need to put your faith in God. And as I preach this morning, I don't want you to put your faith in man. I don't want you to put your faith in Brother Russell. I don't want you to put your faith in Brother Robbie, but if you will put your faith in the Word of God, he will do exceedingly and abundantly all you could ever think or ask. Come on, somebody give him a great hand clap for his Word this morning. Let's all stand for the reading of the Word of God. I heard a guy simply put it this way, R.T. Kendall, a great man of God. He, uh, he said it just like this. He said, people don't read the Word of God because they don't believe the Word of God. Because if you really believed it, oh, I'm stepping on some toes already. That's all right. That's what we need sometimes. Come on, somebody in this house. We don't read it because we don't believe it. But if somebody will digest his word today, amen. I don't care what other people have told you about his word. His word can move mountains. His word became flesh and dwelt among us. His word can be manifested in this room and bring miracles, signs, and wonders. Does anybody believe it? I feel faith in my spirit this morning for his word. Amen. For his word. I want to go to Matthew chapter 25. I'm so honored to be here. Is anybody thankful for the Russell family? Can we give them a great hand clap of appreciation? I'm so thankful to have one of my best friends here, uh, Dr. Holiness Preacher Cody Stevens. Amen. It's such an honor to have him, my brother Chucky. And then it's also uh, an honor to have my girlfriend Kira from my home church as well. Uh, she's anointed to sing and play and worship, so maybe we'll get her up tonight, amen, to sing for us. And uh, just so honored. Can we give them all a great hand clap of appreciation for being there? It's so nice to have some people to travel with. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 25. If you are here and you're under the age of 30, I want you to raise up your hand real quick. Under the age of 30. All right. I'm looking to everybody under the age of 30 especially. All right. I want you all here tonight. I believe the Lord's given me a prophetic word for you. Now, okay, saints of God, that doesn't mean that you can stay home and kick your legs up and eat a bag of potato chips tonight. All right. I need you here too to help pray some people through. But especially those that are under the age of 30, I want you here because I believe that God has a specific prophetic word for us as a generation tonight. Matthew chapter 25. Is anybody happy in the house of the Lord. Can you just smile at your neighbor? Come on, smile at him. I don't care if you got sleep in your eye. Come on, come on, smile at him. Give him, give him a little side hug. Go ahead, just give him a little side hug. 
Come on, I need 100%. Come on, a little side hug. Come on, come on. I'm from Kentucky, amen. We hug everybody. I have, I have a grandma who's 96 years old. She turned 96 in July. She's lived in the same house in eastern Kentucky, Harlan County, uh, for like 54 years now. I mean, it's crazy. A great woman of faith. And, uh, man, to hear Brother Russell talk about you all supporting uh, the devastation that happened in eastern Kentucky. That's my home. So uh, it didn't hit Harlan County, but it hit around there. Uh, God had his hand on that. But, I mean, there's, there's, there's little towns back up in the holler that got flooded out that will never recover. They are gone forever. Amen. Just pure devastation. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for all that you've done. Amen. That's, that's being the hands and feet of Jesus. Can you give this church, you, you yourself, a great hand clap? Thank you for your giving. I know the Lord is going to honor you and this church for that. Amen. Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. The Bible says this, Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. We also love Pastor Jade and his family. Does anybody love Pastor Jade? Amen. Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. Jesus said these words. Don't take my word for it. Take the word for it. Amen. Jesus said these words. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Somebody say the bridegroom. Someone say the groom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom, somebody say the bridegroom. Somebody say the groom. Terry, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom comes. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went out to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage. And the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But listen to what Jesus says here. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Does anybody know that Jesus is coming soon? Let's lift up our hands and ask God to prepare us for that day. Father, we thank you that you are coming we thank you for this good old gospel story. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for a church. God, challenge us, Lord. God, to be the people, Lord, that stay awake. God, that cry that you are here, that you're coming. God, let us be the ones that stay on mission, that stay on this straight and narrow path, that stay on this highway of holiness. God, encourage your people, convict your people. God, if there's some that are slumbering in this room, God, wake them up, wake them up. Up. Wake them up this morning. Oh, let the Spirit cry out. Lord, bring conviction. Bring the fear of the Lord. Holy Ghost, sweep through this room, Lord. Lord, let your word, God, be like a sword. God, convict us, change us. Don't leave us the same. Jesus, whatever happens in this service, you get all the glory. Come on, somebody lift up that hand one more time and say, Jesus, get all the glory this morning. Jesus, you get all the glory this morning, and it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. Can you give God a thunderous hand clap of praise as you're seated in the house of the Lord? I would like to preach on this subject with the help of the Lord this morning, which church 
will you be? Which church will you be? The third mission trip I ever went on was to the nation of Kenya, Africa. Many of you know this story, but, but, but I want to tell you again, um, I was 19 years old. It was the third country I'd ever been to, and um, it was one of the hardest trips that I'd ever been on. If you've been around the African people, they are some of the strongest, most preachingest, prayingest, fastingest people you have ever met in your life. They are, you know, they, they are just strong people. They have a dish called ugali, and they say, and it's just a big clump of rice and they say this is how we get our power by eating this rice right here I mean they're incredible people but the first time I ever preached in Kenya Africa I was 19 years old we were in a city called Kasumu and the pastor there is still one of my heroes today his his name was Pastor Mark Kagohi is that a cool name so, someone say Kagohi Someone say Kagohi, Pastor Mark Kagohi. Now, he was one of those like scary pastors, those like scary men of God that like walk so close to like the spirit that like, you know, before you got into his presence, you knew that he could read your mail just like that. So you're pleading the blood and you're trying to fast a little bit because you don't want your sin found out. Come on. I know you know somebody like that. I don't know if it's your grandma or grandpa, but those people are scary to be around. I mean, this man, we would be riding in his Jeep and we would be in the back and he would just be talking in tongues in the front seat, like not trying to make a show. I seen that man walk around the altars of his church and he wouldn't even have to struggle, but he would point at people and cast out devils just like devil come out and they would be free. They would be healed. I mean, this man was a man of God. All right. So when you get into a pulpit like that, it's kind of scary. You're like, I can't mess this up because this guy knows, amen, this guy walks with God. So I preach and, and, uh, I feel like, I feel like it went good. And I walk down the stage and, and, and I'm walking up to him and I think he's going to shake my hand. I think he might say, Jumbo or Buana Asafiwe, which is Swahili for praise the Lord, something along those lines. But he points his finger in my face and says, Robbie, you'll be in 30 nations by the time you're 30 years old. I was like, oh God, what did he just say? 30 nations by the time I'm 30 years old. I was 19 years old. I was broke. I didn't even have money to be in Kenya, but Jehovah Jireh, my provider, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I was there. Amen. I was, I was, I was eating crackers and drinking water, but I was there. Amen. I was there. I was like, how in the world in 11 years am I going to go to 27 more countries? That's a lot of countries. I'd, I'd, I'd never, I'd never, uh, went to college. I, you know, I still had to do that. I had a, I didn't have a full-time job. I was in a school that I was trying to like learn about the Bible and ministry, trying to work all these things out. It's like, God, there is no way on this planet that this guy just told me I would be in 30 countries by the time I'm 30 years old. But can I testify for a second? Can I testify that God is a man of his word? I'm 29 years old right now. I turned 29 back in June and, and 29 countries later. Hallelujah. I know that God is faithful to be a man that fulfills his word. I'm going to Israel at the end of October. We're going to tour for nine days, and then we're actually, I'm going to work with a messianic church, and we're going to preach to a lot of Muslim people and Jewish people, and Israel will be the 30th country this October. It's crazy to think about 30, that prophetic word being fulfilled, but it being Israel, that's just another, another just like God is so good, amen, that he would make that the 30th country. Can I tell you, God is a man of his word, but I want to tell you something else about Mark Kagohi. He had a daughter, and I was pretty young at the time, and I was with my friend, evangelist Robert Martin, and you know, any good pastor is looking for somebody to hook up his young daughter to. Come on, somebody in this house, you know what I'm talking about. 
Kyla's here. Somehow she got connected with Austin. I don't know what you were thinking about that. I'm just kidding. Austin is awesome. Amen. Austin is awesome. But he looked at us one day, and you know, marriage and dating and engagement is different in other countries. Does anybody know that? You know, there's a thing called arranged marriages. I'm looking for some young people that would like, like be uh, afraid out of your mind if your mom and dad tried to hook you up and make you marry somebody. Oh, they don't know what I like. But it's different around the world, right? So in Kenya, you will understand that there's a dowry that has to be paid for you to get engaged or to, or to get somebody's daughter, all right? So past, so Bishop Mark could go. He looks at me and evangelist Robert Martin, and he says, 50 cows, we're like, what? 50 cows? That's 50 cows and you can date my daughter. I'm like, well, I don't have one cow, so if you give me a maybe five years to learn how to be a farmer and go back to Kentucky and find some cattle, I might. he's like, no, my daughter is worth more than 50 cows, 75 cows. So guess who didn't get married to her daughter, amen? We couldn't because we couldn't pay the dowry for that price, amen. Uh, how, but she's married today, so somebody paid a lot of cows in Kenya for his daughter, amen? That's all I'm saying. But what I'm trying to say is marriage is different in whatever country you go to. So when we read these scriptures in Matthew 25, you may say, I have no clue, Brother Robbie, what it's talking about. It's talking about a bridegroom. It's talking about the virgins, which are bride, all this different. What is the Bible trying to speak to us? Well, there's a couple things you have to know. In Jewish culture, in Hebrew culture, marriage was a whole different thing and had a whole different perspective than we know about it today. When people got engaged in the Bible, they weren't even married yet. Get this. They weren't even married yet, but they had to sign a engagement contract. So it's kind of like, you know, a man proposes to a girl, gets them a ring, right? But in American culture, like you can still back out of it. Come on, somebody, right? Like, like, like that's like you haven't consummated the marriage yet. You haven't went through the wedding ceremony. But in Hebrew, in Hebrew culture, in Jewish culture, this is how serious engagement was. They would literally sign a contract, and it was like they were already married, but they did not move in with each other yet. They, they weren't living with each other yet. They weren't consummating the marriage yet. And this is what would happen. They would, uh, uh, in that marriage contract, there was a dowry that had to be paid, right? There was something that the uh, groom had to pay the bride's family, they and they would pay that. But this is what the groom would do. Oh, stay with me just for a minute. The groom would go back to wherever he was from, and he would start preparing a place for his bride to come back to. Hallelujah. And here's the thing. They had signed the contract. He had paid the dowry, all right? He had paid the price for the bride, but he may have been gone, Brother Jade, for a week or two weeks or for a month, or for a couple months, or for six months, or maybe even a year. Now, I know some Indiana women, if you got engaged and you didn't see your husband for six months, you would kick him to the curb and say, he really doesn't love me. Come on, somebody. Do I have any woman that would say amen to that? If, if he didn't call you, if he didn't text you, if he didn't DM you on Instagram, if he didn't try to reach out to you, I mean, you would, you would lose your ever-loving mind. Come on, somebody in this house. If you got engaged and didn't see your, your, your basically groom, the person you were going to be married to for over a year. But this is what the Bible says, all right? This is what Jesus is trying to tell us, amen. 
man, can I tell you this, this parable is talking about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I just give you the basics of this parable for just a moment? Who is the bridegroom? It is Jesus. He is the groom who has went to prepare a place for us. It is Jesus. Amen. He said before he went up into heaven that I am going to prepare a place for you. Amen. For you to come to when I come back for my church. Every Christian, every church that's preaching the word of God, that's preaching that Jesus is the only way, that church, there's coming a day when the trumpet's going to sound. There's coming a day when the eastern sky is going to split. Oh, how... I want to remind somebody, we got to watch and pray because Jesus is coming back. Hallelujah. The bridegroom's Jesus, but can I tell you the bride is us. The bride are the believers. The bride is the Christians, and there are people in this room, you're, 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 you're thinking in your mind, and they even went through this in the New Testament. They thought that Jesus may come back in a month. They thought Jesus may come back in a year, but it's been 2,000 years since Jesus died on that cross, bled on that cross. It's been 2,000 years, but thank God, amen, every day people are still getting saved. Every day the mercy of God is still being poured out. Every day the love of God is coming to his people. Oh, but Jesus has not come yet. So, 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 so what's the issue? What is Jesus going to do? Amen. How, how is Jesus going to remind us that he has not forgotten about us? There are people in this room. You say, well, God's not for me. There are people in this room that say, well, this Bible's just a fairy tale. There are people in this room that say, well, why am I going through what I'm, why is cancer filling my body? Why, why do I feel so lukewarm? Why has my past been the way that it was? I have good news for you. Jesus did not leave us alone. Jesus has not forgotten about us. But every day, if we will make ourselves available, he reminds us that we are still on his mind. Oh, hallelujah. Can I tell you about an old, old story? How a Savior came from glory. How he caused the lame to walk again and he caused the blind to see. Can I tell you that Jesus already paid the dowry? Can I tell you, you may be a sinner, but Jesus has already paid the price. Can I tell you, if he is, you are still, I love that old story, the, uh, that, that, that old song. It says, when he was on the cross, we were on his mind. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to tell you heaven is real. Hell is real. You don't have to go to hell but there's a Jesus who paid the price with his blood so you could be forgiven. But there's something else and this is where I want to get, get at this morning. There's something else about the marriage ceremony, oh hallelujah, Holy Ghost help me in this moment, that you have got to understand how does the bridegroom remind the bride that he has not forgotten about him. In Jewish, in Jewish times, Brother Jade, the groom would start sending gifts back to the bride. Say, maybe, maybe after a week, honey, I know I haven't seen you, amen. Honey, I know it's been a month, but I wanted to send you a little bit of money. Uh, honey, I wanted to send you some new clothes because I know it's been two or three months, and I know you don't think that you're on uh, my mind, but I want you to know that I'm preparing a place for you. I'm working on a building. Oh, I, I may not be there yet, but there's coming a day, and this is what would happen. Literally, there's a word that the Jewish people would use called the matan. Somebody say matan.
matan. That word is M-A-T-A-N, matan, and it literally means a gift. And for months, and, 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 and even in the scope of a year, that, that, that a groom would send so many gifts to the bride. Why? Because that, does any women like receiving gifts from their husband? I know some of y'all do. I know some of y'all like those dates you go on and those flowers you get and those rings you, and the jewelry and all that different. You love it when your husband surprises you. And husbands, some of y'all need to do that a little bit more. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise, oh, I got an amen in the back. Thank you for being honest, sister. Oh, hallelujah. I know some of y'all women like that, amen. Men, you need to do that, amen. Keep your marriage together. Stay safe, stay sanctified, amen. Fill with the Holy Ghost, amen, all that. Jesus does the same thing for us. Oh, hallelujah. When Jesus ascended up into heaven, he was, he was on the Mount of Olives, and he looked at his followers, he looked at those disciples, and he says, I'm going away. Hallelujah. I am going to go away, and it may be a week, and it may be months, and it may be years, and it may be a century, but I want you to know that I'm coming back. How do we know that he's coming back? He said, I am going to send the gift. I am going to send the promise of the Father <laughs> who is the gift that Jesus sends, who is the maton that Jesus sends. It is the Holy Spirit when Jesus sat down in power at the right hand of the Father. He didn't just not send us anything. He said, I'm going to send my comfort. I'm going to send the healer. I'm going to send the God of the breakthrough. I'm going to send the God that will never leave you or forsake you, that will walk with you to the ends of the earth. He said, I'm going to send the Holy Ghost. Amen. Did you know that to any hungry people, he wants to remind you that he's not forgotten about you? How does he do that? By, by pouring out his spirit. Again, if there will be a church right here, if PTC ministries will lift up their hands and say, God, we need a reminder that you have not forgotten about us. If somebody will say, Jesus, remind me that you rose from the dead. Remind me that you have not forgotten about me. He will send you his Holy Spirit. He will send you his power. He will send you glory. He will send you revival. If somebody will say, God, I know you're sending gifts. Let me receive that gift here this morning. Somebody give him glory. The Matan, the gift, how does he remind us? By giving you a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit. There were ten virgins. There were ten brides. They all had oil. Where did the oil come from? I believe it came from the bridegroom. Oil represents the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is still giving the Holy Spirit to hungry people. But the question that I felt to ask you in Connersville, Indiana this morning is this. Which church will you be? Hallelujah. What type of Christian will you be? Brother Robbie, what does that mean? There are three types of churches that Jesus gives us in Matthew 25. Number one simply is this, the foolish sleeping church. The foolish sleeping church. I got a news flash for falling asleep during service this morning. This is not the sermon to fall asleep on because I'm preaching on you. Number one, the foolish sleeping church. This church had oil in the lamp had a move of God at one point, had the power of the Holy Spirit at one point, but forgot to fill it back up and fell asleep. Can I just pause for a second and say the only way you're going to make it in these last days is with the oil of the Holy Spirit? 
The Holy Spirit is not optional, amen. A prayer life is not optional. The word is not optional. The Bible says that even the very elect would be deceived. The very elect would be deceived. I need to get that through somebody's head. This morning the Bible says the very elect will be deceived. If you don't stay full of the Holy Spirit, if you don't stay full of love for Jesus, if you forsake the house of God, there are churches all around this country that have closed their doors. There are Christians that don't believe you have to come. That's 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 who this, this, this scripture is talking about. It's talking about a generation that once knew the power of God. It's talking about a church that once knew miracle signs and wonders, but somewhere along the way, they forgot to come to prayer meeting. Somewhere along the way, they forgot that the Bible is not just for Sundays and Wednesdays, but it's a lifestyle. They forgot that in the last days, the Bible says, the prophet says, I will pour out my spirit upon flesh. Oh, friend, I'm here to wake somebody up. Don't be like the foolish church that falls asleep. And how did they fall asleep? Because they forsook the oil. There are people in here, you've forsaken the oil. I don't mean to be mean this morning, but you will never make it in the last days without the oil of the Holy Spirit. How do you expect you by yourself cannot defeat the enemy? You by yourself cannot defeat the darkness of this world. But if you let the Holy Ghost as the gift of God remind you that you are meant, oh, hallelujah, to walk in. I wish somebody in this house would get mad at the devil and say, I'm going to put on the helmet of salvation again. I'm going to put on the breastplate of righteousness. I'm going to gird up my loins in truth. I'm going to shod my feet in the gospel of peace. I'm going to take the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith. I'm going to run and fight this good fight again. Don't stop fighting. How do you don't stop fighting? How do you continue to fight? By, by, by seeking a move of God. By letting the Holy Spirit fill you again. But maybe the most important one I want to talk about this morning is the wise sleeping church. I told you I'm not going to be long. I'm about done, I promise. Number two, the wise sleeping church. Remember, I just talked about the foolish sleeping church. They completely ran out of oil. But now, number two, the wise sleeping church. What does this mean? This church had oil in the lamp. Made sure they had extra in case they had to wait a little bit longer. But here's the thing that blows my mind that I've never seen before. They still fell asleep. You hear me? It makes sense why the foolish church fell asleep. They had no oil. But now you see, the Bible says there's a wise bride. There's a wise virgin who, who has oil, but they still fall asleep. Is anybody awake in this room this morning? Amen. This is the most shocking one. They have oil. They have extra oil, but they still fall asleep. This church is shouting. This church is speaking in tongues. This church is holding revival meetings. This church is laying hands on the sick. This church is casting out demons. But how do they fall asleep? This is a sobering point for us this morning. This tells me that you can have the anointing. You can have a move of God, but still be tricked into falling asleep somewhere along the way. That should be scary for us. That you can be anointed, you can be full. How does this church, how are they experiencing revival? How do they have extra oil? But just like the foolish virgin, just like the foolish bride, they still fall asleep. I believe I have the answer for you right now. They fell asleep 
because they forgot the mission. You didn't hear me. You know, I'm a Kentucky preacher. I'm expecting more amens than this this morning. Amen. You're going to have to help me out tonight. Amen. Or maybe you're just processing the word. Amen. Maybe, 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 maybe it's convicting. Amen. They forgot about the mission of the church. What separates? There are three types of churches. I can't give you the last one because I got to get there. I got to build to it. Amen. There was a foolish church that forgot about the oil. Amen. It makes sense why they fell asleep. There was a wise church that had the oil, but they, but they were just satisfied with just a good service. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I'm coming for you this morning. PTC ministry. They were just satisfied with a little shake, with a little shimmer, amen, with a little run around the church. There are a lot of good Pentecostal churches who just celebrate a good service. Well, we had a move of God. Well, what happened? Well, people were running. People were slain in the spirit. People were shaking and trembling under the power of God. You know, it was awesome. We were running. We were speaking in tongues. But what happened? Did anybody get saved? Did anybody get delivered? Did anybody get set free? Is the church growing is the sinner coming in can I tell you they forgot about the mission of the church that's why they that's why that's why they fell asleep what does the Bible say in Matthew chapter 28 and Jesus came and spake unto them saying all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth go ye therefore teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost there was a church that had the oil, but they forgot that the mission was to go win lost people for Jesus. I don't care how wise you think you are. I don't care how foolish you think you are. The Bible says this, he who wins souls is wise. We cannot say that we're a spirit-filled church, a powerful church, if this is not our heart, if this is not our mission, amen. And it's not just Pastor Russell's. It's not just Evangelist Robbie's. It's not just the worship. Every person in this room, you know, people get uncomfortable when you start telling them they got to be soul winners. Oh, hallelujah. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you. Amen. I'm talking about every person in this room. The reason we are spirit-filled people, the reason we preach the second coming of the Lord is because we know we have a mandate from heaven. We have a mandate from Scripture. Jesus tells us that the church that stays awake, the church that doesn't fall asleep, will be a church that preaches Jesus to everybody they know. That's consumed in lost souls. What does the Bible say in Matthew, Mark 16, verses 15 through 18? It says, Jesus said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Shall they cast out devils? They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Don't throw your Bible at me. I I didn't write it. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, I don't care how spiritual you are. If you don't have a heart that yearns for souls, if that is not your focus as your Christian charge, your Christian mandate is to go to every person you know, amen. God is trying to wake up the church in these last days. You know, there is a, 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 a improper theology going around in the church today. There's people that, that believe in, I think it's called annihilationism, 
Which means that when you die, there's a part of every single one of us that will never perish. It is eternal. Hello. There's a part of you that is either going to go to heaven and live for an, an eternity with Jesus or you will go to hell and burn for eternity. Oh, Brother Robbie, don't preach that way. No, this is what we have to preach in this day and age. Amen. There should be a fear of the Lord. When you think about hell, you should have a holy fear that comes over you that says, I know I deserve death. I know I deserve sin. But by the blood of Jesus, by the blood of God, the love of God is greater than the wrath of God. I got a warning for some young people in the house. If you don't know Jesus, if you backslide, if you don't give your heart to him, you will not go to heaven. There is a part of you that will never die. And listen, you aren't just going to disappear into a void of nothing after you die. No, you, you will be conscious in some form. You will know whether you're in heaven or whether you're in hell. You don't just disappear. There's people that think, well, maybe if I'm not saved and maybe if I don't believe in Jesus, my body will just disappear. No, friend, that's not what happens. You will be aware. And the people that don't know Jesus, they will be thrown into a lake of fire. There was a rich man who cried out, who cried out of hell and he was tormented. And he said, if I could only go back and tell my family, if I could only go back and tell them these worms that are eating at my it is not a fairy tale. Man, I feel the unction of the Holy Ghost. It is not just a story. This is reality. This is the reality of your soul. Hallelujah. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, help us in this day. They say, how could a loving God send people to hell? Let me tell you, friend, he does send people to hell because your sin deserves the wrath of God. You want to know how great sin is? You can tell how great sin is by the price that had to be paid for your sin. What price had to be paid for your sin? Oh, there, I, I see some uncomfortable people in the house, and that's the conviction of the Holy Ghost stirring in this room. Amen. Oh, how great was your sin? How great was your sin? The Bible says your sin was so great, the wrath of God was so great, that it took God the Father emptying out all of heaven and his son Jesus to come to this earth. Who has lost family members in this house? Who has lost friends in this house? I need some young people to raise up their hands too. Who has some lost friends in this house? If they die without Jesus, they are going to burn and be tormented for eternity without God. If we don't weep over those souls... If we don't stand in this altar, if we don't say, God, we need more of the Holy Ghost, not just so we can shake, not just so we can shimmer, but so we can go to the nations, so we can go back to our family members. You may say, well, Robbie, they've told me no. Robbie, they don't want to hear it. Robbie, I don't want them to think I'm a weirdo. They're, listen, they already think you're a weirdo. Amen. If you're talking in tongues, shouting, sweating, whatever you're doing, they are. you may as well just go ahead and send that text again. You may as well just go ahead and call them again. They're so all is hanging in the balance. Does that move you? Does that move you? If you're not saved in this house, are you moved? That this Bible says you have a part of you that will never die. You can try to drink the conviction away. 
You can try to put the earplugs in. You can try to put the headphones in. You can try to play Fortnite for nine hours to make the, you can try to turn on Netflix and watch a show. You can try to switch jobs, but can I tell you there's a God-shaped hole in your spirit and the only key that can fit it and fill it is a man named Jesus with love in his heart, with nailed scarred hands. If there'll be a church that will say, God, burn it us. Let us go. There's a foolish church. Which church will you be? What type of Christian will you be? Will you sit around and just have a hard heart? Will you sit around and say, well, they'll get saved if God wants them to get No, friend. You are the answer. Connersville is the answer. PTC Ministries is the answer. If somebody will get full of the love of Jesus again by way of the Holy Ghost, this community will be turned upside down. There's a foolish church that falls asleep. There's a wise church that falls asleep. But there is one more church. There is one more church that the Bible says, oh, hallelujah, I've never seen this in the text before, and maybe I'm just a good old eastern Kentucky hillbilly country bumpkin. I don't know, and I just didn't see that. You may have seen it, but it got all over me. Amen. There is somebody, the Bible says, and at midnight, hallelujah, if we've ever been at a midnight, if we've ever been at a moral midnight in our country, oh, I'm preaching to you right now. If we've ever been at a crossroads in our families, if we have ever been at a crossroads as believers if we've ever been at a moral midnight if we've if there's ever been a generation that's been at the midnight of this hour at the midnight of humanity it is this time it is this moment right here but the bible says at midnight when the bridegroom was about to split the eastern sky when the bridegroom was coming back for the bride there was somebody that stayed up in the middle of the night the bible says there was a shout and said that the bridegroom had come. Oh, you want to know what that tells me? There is somebody who doesn't fall asleep. There is somebody who stayed up. There is somebody that kept the fire burning. There is somebody that though it got dark, there is somebody that though everybody else said they couldn't have a move of God, they could never make it in the last days. There was somebody, there was a church, there was a group of people that says, we're going to do what Jesus said. We're going to stay up. We're going to watch and pray. We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to go to the nations. We're going to go to Armenia. We're going to go to Belize. We're going to go to the highways and the byways. We're going to keep going to the crack house. We're going to keep going to the drug addict. We're going to keep going to those who don't know. We're going to keep proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a church that stays awake. That's my last point. There's a church that stays awake. Which church will you be? God's heart this morning is for you to be a church that stays awake. For us to be a generation that stays awake. God doesn't want you to be a foolish person that falls asleep. He doesn't want you to be a wise person that falls asleep. He wants every person in this room. He wants you to stay awake. Oh, stay awake. If you're asleep, wake up. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Wake up. There are souls that still need to be saved if they want to come back to the music quickly. Let's all stand in the house of the Lord. Which church will you be? Which church will you be? Oh, hallelujah. I don't want you to think that I'm just, that I'm being mean to you. No, I'm talking to myself. Hallelujah. I said this already. People get mad when you talk about winning souls. Why? Because it's hard. Hallelujah. 
And because it's hard, and you say, I don't have the personality, and I've done it before, well, I don't have to do it. No, friend, that is a lie from hell. If you are not at least trying, you are in sin. It is a sin. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, God. Well, well, I know I got a baby that's awake. Praise God for her. I wish somebody would scream at their lost family members like that. You know when everybody else, when it's silent, you can hear a baby scream. The world is silent. They're in darkness. And they're waiting for somebody to scream. There's a way out. Wake up. Oh, hallelujah. I'm trying to stir somebody's soul this morning. The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Jesus is worthy to feel uncomfortable for. I'm talking to myself. I just had actually one of Kira's friends. She's been through a ministry program. A great, a great woman of God trying, trying, trying to do what God wants her to do. And she texted me a couple days ago and she said, Robbie, I feel like the past few weeks, I just haven't been witnessing like I, it's just so hard. And she said, I just want to hear it from a seasoned evangelist and missionary. What do you do? I'm like, it's hard for me. Every time I try to talk to somebody about Jesus, there's a voice on the inside of me that says they don't care. Don't inconvenience them. They're going to say no. <laughs> Has anybody been there before? It's easier just to not say anything and fall asleep and just come to church. Well, we got our 150. We're fine, right? We're fine. We're good. We're good. No, friend, we're not good. If we believe this Bible, we're not good. Because if we want Jesus to come back, every nation's got to have a chance to know if we really want to see Jesus come, we will go forth and preach the gospel. What is the differentiating factor between the wise church that fell asleep and the one that stayed up till midnight to announce the crying that the bride was coming. The one that stayed awake kept speaking, kept talking, kept declaring the word of the Lord. You don't save people, but this is the foolishness of the gospel that your words is what God uses to draw people to Christ. You hear me? The foolishness of the cross. The foolishness of preaching, the Bible says. You, your words. Your words. God anoints your words to convict people. Hallelujah. Man, I feel like I have like Oh, like, like a banana suit on up here right now the way you guys are looking at me you your words most of y'all don't have that Eastern Kentucky draw like me if God can use my words and anoint my, uh, my Eastern Kentucky twain he can anoint yours 99% of the time God doesn't send an angel 99% of the time he does not send a vision of Jesus in a dream. He does that sometimes, very rarely. 99% of the time, he moves on your heart. He moves on the church to be the witness and to preach the gospel. 
Do you feel the burden of the Holy Ghost? Do you feel the burden of God's heart? Some of y'all have forgotten about Connersville. Some of y'all have forgotten about your lost family members. The hour is near. The day is urgent. What church will you be? God, I thank you for this word. Thank you for your power that's moving in this room. God, maybe this is not for everybody, but God, I know it's for somebody. Lord, I pray conviction would fall. I pray somebody would feel the fear of the Lord that would not believe their flesh and not believe the modern church and not believe the culture that we live in, but know that this is the mandate of heaven, that we be the church that stays awake at midnight and says, behold, the bridegroom is here. Oh, hallelujah. If you're not saved in this house, this altar call is for you. But it's not just for the backslider. I'm looking at some church people. And I'm here to tell you, I'm here to invite you into the presence of God to come to this altar and say, Lord, I need to be woke up. God, I don't want to be a foolish person. I don't want to be just a wise person that falls asleep. But we want to be that people that stays awake and announces the coming of the Lord. On the count of three, church, if that's you, I want you to come. Of course, if you're a sinner, this altar's open. But if you're a church member and you say, I got to get woke up. I got to get stirred again. I got to receive the Holy Ghost again. I know there's a lot of people back in that sound booth. Guys, if you feel the conviction of the Holy Ghost, run to this altar on the count of three. One, two, three, right now. Come on, come on, move right now. God, let us be that people. God, let us be that people. God, let us be that people. Come on, I need some church people that say, God, give me that burden. God, I haven't been doing it, Lord, but I want to be that church. Come on, I need some people that say, we we want to be that church. We want to be that church that stays awake. We want to be that church that stays awake. Come on, as they begin to sing, I need some people to move. I need some people to move. I need some people that say, God, I got to be a soul winner. God, I got to be the one that stays awake. Hallelujah. Faith needs a moment. Why do we come to this altar? Because you're saying, I believe what I just heard. Come on, move right now. If you say, I want to be that, I'm going to come and crucify my flesh and say, God, this is what I want to be. Go ahead and start singing something. Hallelujah. Come on, there's a lot more people that need to be in this altar. Come on, come, 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 come. Feel the burden of the Lord. Feel the burden of the Holy Ghost. God, for my family. God, for my family. God for our community, God for our city, God Jesus, God give us that burden again. Let us, let us be baptized in this anguish for lost souls, for those who don't know. Uh, Cameron here from PTC Ministries. I'm so glad that you could join us today uh, for the message here. Uh, I hope the message touched you uh, in a personal way and that you could take that and mold that and move it and let it move you in your life. And as you can continue your walk with Christ, continue your walk with us as well. Follow us, uh, click in the link below in the description there. Follow us on all of our social media platforms. And don't forget to uh, like and subscribe. I feel like a YouTuber here, but don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel to uh, stay connected with us. Um, and thank you for joining us.